welcome to the West Cheltenham podcast. We want to see communities and places buzzing with the extraordinary presence of Jesus. Join us live on YouTube every Sunday at 10.30am. We really hope you enjoy this message. So it's a great joy to be here today and to introduce this uh, new series that we're going to be doing through Lent called Practicing Generosity During Lent. And the series aim is to encourage us to live lives that are filled with generosity. Each week, we're going to see how Jesus' costly and generous life is lived as he moves towards the cross. We'll consider then the generosity of Jesus, his costly and sacrificial life as he moves towards the cross. And we're also going to consider the generosity of the early church, those early followers of Jesus, in spite of persecution. Jesus, living a generous life, in spite of pain and suffering, the early church, living lives of generosity, in spite of persecution. Then we reflect on our own lives and our own generous response to this good news story in spite of ourselves, in spite of our personalities and our life circumstances. So we're going to consider in response our own response to God's generosity, Jesus' generosity, the generosity of our brothers and sisters who went before us. What's our response during this time, during this season of Lent? So I'm going to pray before we kick off that series right now. Um, So let's pray. Dear God, some of us might easily think our lives are filled with generosity. We're always being kind to others. We're always giving to other people. Some of us will find it easy to speak of you, and others we might be thinking perhaps our lives are a little bit miserly. But thank you, Lord, you don't condemn us, and we pray for open hearts and minds during this Lent. To all that you want to do in our church's life and in our own individual lives. And for this morning... Help us to listen in to whatever you might want to say to us personally and as a church family. And then help us to respond in generous ways. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So earlier this week I met up with my son Jake. He's in his late 20s and we met up for some dad and son uh, time together. And as we met up, Jake was telling me how on the train journey, um, he was talking to somebody on the train, they were reading books. And the other guy asked Jake, just what are you reading? It's a great conversation starter. So Jake was telling him what he's reading and and this guy said, "Uh, I'm reading The God Delusion by Richard Dawkins. You know, he's an arch atheist is Richard Dawkins, very intelligent man puts lots of challenges towards the church, and that's one of his books, The God Delusion. I want you to imagine that you've been at that, in that carriage, just sat on that table, there's my son Jake, and there's this other guy that he's making. they're talking, and you hear this guy say this thing. And maybe you only just sort of said hello to them as you got onto the train and sat down, but then you've done that English thing of just being quiet in your own space, you know, not making a fuss, but you're just, something's in you, sparked as you hear that guy say, not only is he reading the God delusion, but you hear him say, I just don't understand how anybody could believe in God. That's what Jake told me this guy said. 
So I want to imagine you're sat there. What are you feeling at that moment, just then? I wonder if there's some of you who will be thinking, I'm putting down my book, I'm getting straight into this conversation right now. So if you'd have confidently walked to that conversation and think, right, I'm in here. This is the opportunity I've been waiting for, Lord. I'm in. Go on, show us a hand. If you know that's you, if you'd have walked towards that conversation, I'm in. Yeah, a few hands going up. Uh, what about those of us, and be completely honest here, no judgment, okay, could even be Rod, if you're thinking, oh my word, I'm a Christian, get me out of here, you know, that kind of thing. And you just close down and you just think, even maybe you've been reading a Christian book and you just sort of subtly fold it up and slide it underneath a private eye or something. Who's that? You know, you just run away from that conversation. You did find that quite scary and whatever. Yeah. I reckon there might be a few of you weren't quite owning up there as well. So there's a whole load of you in the middle. What would we do? Today, my hope is that we will have a fresh hope as we are encouraged to be generous in telling Jesus' message of new life. In spite of the circumstances, in spite of our fears, in spite of our personalities, that today we're going to be considering how to generously tell Jesus' story and ours. And those two stories are obviously intertwined. And it's quite a challenge. We know how hard it can be to share Jesus' story. And immediately some of you might be saying, I just don't know the story well enough. I'm quite a new Christian. I'm not even sure what I believe right now. Other people are much better at telling the Jesus story than me. It can be hard to share. Will we remember everything we want to say? And it can also be hard to kind of talk about our own lives as well, beyond curating the beautiful bits of our lives on Instagram or the social media platforms we may use. It can be difficult to talk about our own lives, particularly if there's been struggles and pains. And of course, then there's our personality. We're easy, we find it easy to speak to someone, we find it really difficult. There's our own context, the context of those people that are around us at that time. There may be previous failures. We tried to share Jesus' story and we felt we messed it up, we got the timing wrong. We may fear too, if you imagine the colleagues that you work with or some members in your family, some good friends perhaps, that you may be excluded if you talk about this Jesus that you believe in. So it can be difficult. How are we going to go? But there is help at hand. So these next few minutes, we're just going to share some things about how to generously share and tell Jesus' story and ours. And the first point I want to make here is Recognize, and this is really a key thing, and some of you might just want to stop with this one because it's so important for you at this season of your life. The first thing is to recognize with joy that you belonging to God changes everything. Because at the end of the day, you could be given loads of techniques about how to share the story of Jesus. Now, I've got loads of those, and they can work, different ones work for different people. You can have all that. You know, what was it like before you met Jesus? How did you meet Jesus? What difference has it made? That's one of those classic ways of telling your Jesus story. But actually, it comes from where our hearts are right now. That's what we're going to explore for these next couple of minutes. Knowing that we belong to God will give us confidence to live for him. Tell his story in eyes with love and generosity. So we're going to see how, in a few moments, right now, in fact, how Jesus knew that he was the father's and how this mattered so here's the gospel reading if you like for this week lenten reading if you like for as we start this series together 
So Mark chapter 1. At that time, Jesus came from Nazareth in Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. Just as Jesus was coming up out of the water, he saw heaven being torn open and a voice descending on him like a dove. And a voice from heaven came and said, You are my son, whom I love. With you I am well pleased. How much, I wonder, of the generosity of Jesus' own life, in spite of pain and suffering that he went through, as he told the story of God's love, he talked about the kingdom, as he healed people, forgave them, set them free, with all the opposition that he had, with all the coming dark events of Holy Week. I wonder how much of what sustained him, of what motivated him, what drove him on, was in him being enabled by who, truly was, who he truly was. Hearing that he belonged to God the Father, hearing that he was loved, hearing of that affirmation, those words of union, love and affirmation are actually what we all long and need to hear. And notice that Jesus heard those wonderful words before he'd started his public ministry. You see what grace does, that unbounded, pre-existing love without bounds that God has for us. It kind of assaults our sense of ego that we've earned God's love or we deserve it or we've achieved it. Hey, look at me, God. Look what I've done. Now you can love me. No. He comes to us before all that, calls us by name, calls us son, daughter, says that we are loved, that we are the beloved, that we belong, that we're loved and that he approves of us. The reading continues, that once the Spirit sent him out into the wilderness, and he was in the wilderness 40 days being tempted, tested by Satan. He was with the wild animals, and angels attended him. When I was reading this earlier, <laughs> earlier on, as the older you get, the more you mess your words up. And I was reading this to myself yesterday, and I read it, and he was with the wild angels, and the animals attended him. I thought, actually, that could work. That could work, maybe. After John was put in prison, Jesus went into Galilee, and here we are, proclaiming the good news of God. The time has come, he says. The kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. You see the pattern here. Jesus is baptized. He hears these words of affirmation from his father. The time of testing comes. I'm sure those words would have helped him, sustained him during that time of testing in the wilderness. And then ready for ministry. He proclaims the good news. The kingdom of God is here. So maybe in these words we can connect with the generosity of Jesus. In his life going forward, he's speaking for God. He's forgiving and healing people in spite of pain and suffering. The connection between all of that and his being rooted in this union, this belonging to God the Father. His love that he received and the affirmation that he received. I wonder what you're hearing already from those words there. I wonder what God's wanting you to, to hear this morning. Some of us have heard this stuff so often, haven't we? But maybe for us it's a distant memory, a previous experience of God's love. And I wonder what God would want us to hear this morning, today. So Jesus knew he was the fathers, and so were those earlier followers of Jesus, the apostles. The apostles knew they belonged to God 
who was to be obeyed. Over man, so to speak, as the text often says. So Ali's going to come and read for us now um, from the Acts of the Apostles. If you want to keep with this, it's going to be a little bit difficult, but you're starting at Acts um, chapter 3, and it's page 1094 in the Pew Bibles. Right. One day, Peter and John were going up to the temple at the time of prayer at 3 in the afternoon. Now a man, crippled from birth, was being carried to the temple gate, called Beautiful, where he, was, he was, where he was put every day to beg from those going into the temple courts. When he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for money. Peter looked straight at him, as did John. Then Peter said, look at us. So the man gave them his attention, expecting to get something from them. Then Peter said, silver and gold I do not have, but what I have I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. And taking him by the right hand, he helped him up. And instantly the man's feet and ankles became strong. He jumped to his feet and began to walk. And then he went with them into the temple courts, walking and jumping and praising God. And then we move on. Peter and John before the Sanhedrin. The priests and the captain of the temple guard and the Sadducees came up to Peter and John while they were speaking to the people. They were greatly disturbed because the apostles were teaching the people and proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection of the dead. They seized Peter and John, and because it was evening, they put them into jail until the next day. And we move on. Then they called them in again and commanded them not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John replied, Judge for yourselves whether it is right in God's sight to obey you rather than God. For we cannot help speaking about what we have seen and heard. And the apostles continue to speak and act for Jesus. The early church family grows. People are healed. The apostles are jailed and released by God's angel. They are questioned again by the authorities. They called the apostles in and had them flogged. Then they ordered them not to speak in the name of Jesus and let them go. The apostles left the Sanhedrin rejoicing because they had been counted worthy of suffering disgrace for the name. Day after day in the temple courts and from house to house, 
they never stop teaching and proclaiming the good news that Jesus is the Christ. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks, Ali. You did a great job there, jumping all over the scriptures. Thank you very much indeed. So there's these apostles, and we see right through those days of the early church, people that have a real conviction that they want to share the good news about Jesus. You notice how when they're being asked all these questions and challenged by the authorities, and they're being told to stop speaking about Jesus, again, that might be something that we resonate with, that we somehow feel that you can be a Christian wherever you live, work, whatever, but you just keep it quiet, okay? We don't want you speaking up. We don't want you talking around the canteen about this Jesus. Just be quiet. And some of us will have experienced that. And there's something about these guys, though, that at this point, they're not just going to sit back and say, well, we had a go at it, didn't we? We got the word out there a bit. Let's just retreat or go somewhere else now. They carry on. And two things we noticed there. I remember the first one. The second one will come to me in a minute. Um, The first thing is that the authorities took notes that they were unschooled, untutored men. They were just ordinary people. But can you remember what they did notice about them? They noticed that they'd been with Jesus. And sometimes we might feel we haven't got all the qualifications to speak about Jesus, or remember what we want to say, or to answer all the questions might be out there. But it will make a difference that we have been with Jesus. So, the apostles belonged to God. They knew that he was more important. That was why they were willing to obey God and say to these guys, who should we obey, you or God? It's like a no-brainer for them. I wonder how that situation might crop up for us in the days to come. Not saying there's never a time to retreat. Of course there is. Sometimes Jesus retreated. But it's just that listening in the moment. Lord, is this a time to engage and to speak? Is this the moment we've been waiting for? Or is this a time to be silent and wait for another time? So I can pick up that conversation with that person whilst that other person isn't there listening in. I wonder if you're listening to this, what people is Jesus putting into your mind as you think about this sharing of Jesus, sharing the gospel, sharing something of your story and his story? So how to generously tell Jesus' story in ours? We can recognize with joy that us belonging to God changes everything. Jesus and the apostles and us, because they belonged, we belong too. So when we wrap up in a moment this little talk or whatever, Rod or I will just pray that you might have a fresh sense that you are loved, that you belong, no matter what anybody else might say, and that you matter. And that Jesus, God, is pleased with you. So, we belong to, even if we're in a dark place right now. God's word of deep union, love and affirmation comes to us wherever we are. You know, I have had some difficult times over the last few years. And... I remember years ago being in one of those um, one of those toilets which has got all the facilities where you've got to hang on to and a buzzer to press. And uh, you've seen the red cord that hangs down, haven't you? It's red. This isn't just a light. You know, if you pull this cord, someone's going to come running. 
And I remember looking at it and thinking, well, that's a bit of a waste of cord like that matters. It goes right down to the floor and the handle's right on the floor. I mean, how stupid is that? Couldn't they just be bothered just to tie it up and cut it off? And, and then, of course, you know why it goes right down to the floor, don't you? Why does it go right down to the floor? Because if you're on the floor, that's where you need that thing to be. And that came home to me some years ago when a marriage broke up and my life, it felt like it was falling apart. And when I was at a deeper place and in a darker valley than I'd ever been before in my life, and there have been some other tricky times, I found there, there was that cord right there. And it's like, I got down there and Jesus was already there. He was there, right with me. Even there, I felt that sense of union and love and affirmation. Now, you might think that's pretty obvious, but for many of us, receiving that love and that affirmation is great when life's going well, when the bills are being paid, when relationships are great, when the kids are happy and behaving themselves, when we're happy and behaving ourselves, all of that stuff. And yet I found there, and some of you will have found too, that in the dark valley, we can realize that we belong, how important that is for each of us. So once again, just for a moment, imagine calling your name and saying, fill in the blank, there's your name, you are my son, my daughter, whom I love. With you, I am well pleased. And he's pleased not because you did something necessarily big, but because you paused to speak to someone or you sent someone a text at just the right time. In what might have been a small way in the scale of things, you think you were generous. And with that, he is pleased and he wants you to hear that today somehow, I'm sure. So how do we generously tell Jesus' story and as? Well, we can understand that your life will speak of the overflow of your current relationship with God. I'm sorry, that's a long sentence. Someone said to me ages ago, or it might have been in a book, but I heard it and it stuck with me ever since, the best thing, Malk, you can give to anybody else is the quality of your own friendship with God. That's the best I can give. The best thing I can give that you can give to anybody else is the quality of your relationship with God. And what I've just shared there about my life having a difficult time, needing to pull that cord, you might think, well, that wasn't very good then. But do you know what? I found that during that time, and I've some business since, the quality, the depth of my relationship with God, and the times when I've grown most in my relationship with God has been during those dark, difficult times. Maybe that's been your experience too. I'm not saying it always felt that right, like that, right there, right then. But that's what I found came out of it. And I know too, because people said to me, in one way or another, there's something, Malk, about the way you're talking about Jesus that seems richer and deeper. It was some kind of comment like that, and I thought, I know why that is. Because God's done something right here in me. We can understand that our lives will speak of the overflow of our current relationship with God, no matter what that's like, filled with joy and overflowing, or dark and difficult. Why? Because Jesus is there with you. 
And there are people in your circle of friends or family or work colleagues or neighbours who need to see a Christian, need to hear from someone who's really going through it, but somehow still acknowledges the name of Jesus. So how to generously tell Jesus' story and ours? Recognise that the quality of your relationship with God right now counts. And then we can decide to be, this is the last thing, we can decide to be courageous in sharing Jesus' story and ours. There are some times when people will just come to us and the opportunity is there and we'll find ourselves sharing and maybe we'll be open to that. And there are the times too when we deliberately maybe think, Lord, you put that person on my heart, I'm going to go towards them. So our courage, inspired by Jesus and the apostles' example, is sharing God's loving message in spite of pain and suffering, in spite of persecution, will bear fruit as we share this message, in spite of how we might feel about ourselves or our circumstances. Your story is unique. It's invaluable. And there's somebody out there, I'm sure, needs to hear it. What did Peter and the guys say? Silver and gold we haven't got, but what we've got we give to you. And that's what Jesus asked for us, us to give to others what we've got, not what we haven't got. We're not that other Christian you look up to. We're not them. We are who we are. So as you tell your story, as I tell my story, we'll bring glory to God and people's hearts will be turned to him and his love. We may we feel weak. We may like to prefer a comfortable Christian life. But Jesus is calling us today to go and share the message. He healed some people. They wanted to come with him and he said, particularly to one man, go home and tell what the Lord has done for you. So my story has changed over the years, as you probably gathered. It's probably totally different, but what it has at its heart is that I know I'm deeply loved by this God, even though I still mess up. I know that he thinks I'm okay, in spite of what some other feelings might have been put my way in more recent years. So, how to generously tell Jesus' story in ours? Recognize with joy that you belong, that your belonging to God changes everything. This Lent, may that become more true for you. Secondly, understand that your life will speak of the quality of your relationship with God right now. This Lent, what's God calling you to? How might you hear from him? And then lastly, decide to be courageous in sharing Jesus' story and yours. Who's God calling you to share with? How might he be changing your heart right now? Amen. Thanks so much for listening. To hear more messages like this, make sure you subscribe so that you don't miss out. If you want to find out more, head to westchelt.org.uk or search Westchelt across social media. We love you. We can't wait to see you again.